a time of fun, food, and sunshine. But don't let the summer pass you by without it making you stronger. Our Summer Strong series at City First Church, you'll learn the key ingredients that will make you wiser, stronger, better, all because of Jesus. City First, good morning. How's everybody doing? We've got some rowdy people here this morning. This is exciting. It's Summer Strong. We're excited to be here. Listen, before we get started, can you join me in just saying hello to Cape Coral, God Behind Bars, our state line location. Let's let them know how much we love them and appreciate them, all right? So as we get started today, I want to tell you a story. Can I start with a story? Is that all right? Because I want to tell you this story because this is going to show how important we are going to talk about because this is personal for me. So about 20 years ago, I got a phone call, and it was a guy named Steve. His name is not changed to protect him. His name actually is Steve. And the phone call went something like this. Hey, Derek, I know you've been going through the interview process, and uh, I just want to let you know you have no experience. Uh, you're young. You're 25. I don't think you're going to succeed at this job, but one guy here said that he wanted to train you, so I'm going to go ahead and offer you a job. How many people would be excited about that job offer, right? I thought, hey, hey, I'm in, I'm in, right? So that, that call actually changed my life for a long time because that call actually stirred something in me. I ended up taking that job, and I'm still doing that job today, by the way, almost 20 years later. But that phone call did something to me, and it wasn't good. All right, that phone call drove me to say, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. Can I see a show of hands? Anybody try to prove anybody wrong? Okay, thank you for joining. Thank you for saying that. I was very, very driven. And for the next six years, I worked really hard. All right, now I have a good work ethic anyway, but man, I worked hard because I wanted to prove him wrong. Can I tell you, I failed a lot during that six years. But during that time period, we started to get some success. And in 2008 and 9, for those of you that are old enough to remember, the financial crisis hit, right? still leaves a little permanent scar in some of us that were there. And that time, Carrie and I had begun to save some money up, but I'm in sales, and there was not much sales going on in 2008 and 9. And so we went through a lot of our savings. We were pregnant with our son. But somehow in 2008, I was one of the best of the worst, and we qualified for a sales trip to St. Thomas, okay? Now, St. Thomas is a great spot, but when you go there with not much money, you're totally exhausted. You think, what are we going to do, right? So we needed some rest. We needed some recovery while we were there. And if you've ever been to St. Thomas, it literally barely rains. Hardly ever rains. Do you see where I'm going with this? For seven days, I'm not joking you, it rained for about 20 hours a day for seven days. And as we were there, the locals were like, oh, we can't believe it. We've never seen anything like this. I was like, of course you haven't. That's why we're here, right? This is, we're here to celebrate with you. They're like, we're getting to fill up all the cisterns. Of, we're so excited. I said, I'm not excited for you. This is terrible, all right? But I believe it was a God moment because I had actually brought with me a seminar series from a Christian businessman, and I listened to that whole thing because we had nothing else to do. And his whole talk was about how God's ways work. And he began to talk about how to put God first. And he began to give a lot of different things that he does to put God first and say that God's ways work. And I came into the, to the hotel room and I said, Carrie, we got to make some changes. 
We've got to do some things differently. And we began to implement what I'm going to talk to you about today. And if you look back over the last eight years now, six out of, those last eight, six out of the last eight years, I've been number one at our company for sales. And the last three years, out of all the companies that do our job, which is about 150 people, I've been number one for the last three years. Now, I don't tell you that to brag. I tell you that to say, God's ways work. God's ways work. If we are willing to implement it, God's ways work. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And after I saw this, what was interesting was, he, what he said about God's ways and talking about implementing it, I thought, I'm going to try it, but I don't really know if I believe it. But I began to see it everywhere. In fact, I'm a part of an entrepreneur business group called Strategic Coach, and listen to what he said. What we're going to talk about today, he calls the most important principle to implement when you're organizing your life. Now, this is not a Christian company. This is a secular company. And he says, what we're going to talk about today is the most important thing of organizing your life. And if you're a Christ follower in here, guess what? What we're going to talk about today is actually one of the Ten Commandments. See, sometimes we think there's nine commandments and a suggestion. This is one of the Ten Commandments that we're going to talk about today. So every time I speak, I ask you to write one phrase down. Because I want you, when you go out to lunch today, if someone asks you what the message is, I want you to be able to tell them what it is. Are you ready for this? You got your phones out, you got your pen and paper, you could take a picture of it on the screen. I'm going to invite everyone here at the end of this service to decide to achieve rejuvenation. Okay? I'm going to ask everyone, I'm inviting you now, I'm not telling you, I'm inviting you to decide to achieve rejuvenation. And before we dive into how to do that, I want to break this down for you. Because the word decide is an interesting word. And I had someone tell me this a couple years ago. It's changed my whole mindset on decisions. Look at the last four letters of decide. C-I-D-E. What other words end in C-I-D-E? Suicide, pesticide, homicide. What do all of those words have in common? They kill, right? C-I-D-E actually means to kill off. And so we're talking about making a decision. What we're talking about is killing off all other alternatives. See, a lot of us say, oh yeah, Derek, I'm in. God's ways work, I'm in. But next week, when it starts getting tough, we didn't make a decision, right? We didn't kill off all other alternatives. We kept a couple of our alternatives with us. And what I'm inviting you today is to kill off all the other alternatives, now let's look at the word rejuvenate. I'm going to ask you to decide to achieve rejuvenation. Let's look at that word. The prefix re means again. Right? We've got lots of words with re, so that means again. Juvie means youth. And then eight means to do or to make. So the word rejuvenate actually means to make young again. All right, how many people are going to sign up for this now, right? Well, you want to be made young again? We don't need creams, right? God has a plan to make us young again. So what I'm, you know, what I'm inviting you to do is to kill off all other alternatives and to decide to rejuvenate and to make yourself young again. Now, a lot of people probably are in here saying, Derek, I don't need to rest. I'm 20, I'm 15, I'm 18, I don't need to rest. Can I tell you, you do. Because God says he rested. Jesus said he rested. If God and Jesus, when he came down to earth, rested, we need to rest. And we can't keep putting this off. Because a lot of people, when they think about rest and rejuvenation, there's two different mentalities, but most of us fall under what I call the reward mentality. 
And the reward mentality says that rest has to be earned. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on how many people believe this, but I would guess that the majority of us in here believe that if you're going to rest, you need to earn it. And only when fatigue becomes too great, that's the appropriate time to take some time off. We run ourselves empty. We run ourselves beyond empty, right? We're running on fumes and we say, I'm tapping out for a minute, I need a day off, right? That's how most of us look at rest. And I would guess to say that a lot of us in this room today feel like we're running on fumes. I don't know about you, but even though the last year we were all at home and doing all these things, emotionally, I'm running on fumes. There was a lot of things we had to deal with, even though we weren't maybe busy emotionally, we're running on fumes. And a lot of us feel like, all right, I've got to run it out. I've got to empty the tank before I can go take a day off. But the real mentality that God wants us to have is what I call the rejuvenation mentality. And I want you to hear this. Rejuvenation mentality says that rest is a necessary precondition for periods of high achievement. See, rest comes before high achievement. See, a lot of us think, all right, I've got to earn it. I've got to run myself ragged. Then I can get rest. But what happens? You're here at zero. Now you're below. You go get rest. Now where are you at? Back to zero. But see, the rejuvenation mentality says, nope, I need to rest first. I need to fill up first, and then I can overflow. Right? What does God tell us that he wants our cup to what? overflow, right? Many of us are barely glad if we have a drop in our cup, and we think, God, use me. I'm available, God, just like we just sang, and God's saying to you, you've got a cup. You've got a drop left in your cup. How am I supposed to use you? See, we've got to fill up. God wants us to overflow if we're going to minister. So here's three ways, three ways that I want you to consider to rejuvenate, and again, at the end of this message, I'm going to ask all of us to make a decision. I don't want anyone to not decide one thing. We're either going to go keep doing what we've been doing, or I want you to decide and to kill off all the alternatives to achieve rejuvenation. So here's the first way. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Now remember I told you at the beginning that what we're going to talk about today is one of the Ten Commandments. Here's what's very interesting. If you look at the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, almost all of them start with, you shall not. You shall not kill. You shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not have any other gods before you, right? Do you see a theme here? You shall not, but isn't it interesting that God chose to use the word remember? Remember. He didn't say you shall not, he said remember, but it's still a commandment. And in fact, in Exodus 20, he simply said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, I think all of us would agree that the Ten Commandments, if we do not follow through with them, hold consequences. Is that fair to say? If you kill someone, there's a consequence, right? If you steal, there's a consequence. If you commit adultery, there's a consequence, right? Are we all in agreement with that? I bet if you had a friend that came to you and said, hey, listen, I got to confess, I, I stole something last night, and then I went and killed someone, and actually, I just had an affair within the last six months, you'd probably step back and say, Hey, man, we, we need to talk. We need to have a conversation, right? But if that same friend came to you and said, hey, I, I got to make a confession. Can you pray for me? He, he said, what? What can I pray for you? I, I didn't remember the Sabbath last week. How many people would laugh at him? 
You'd say, what? Who cares? I don't remember the Sabbath ever, right? Remembering the Sabbath has not become, it's not that important to many of us. But God says it is important, and he uses the word remember. Now, as a husband, Carrie is sitting over here. When I go to the store, when I'm leaving, and Carrie says remember, what is she going to tell me the most important thing, right, to remember? Remember the milk, right? Remember to pick up all three of our children. Please remember that. Remember it's my birthday tomorrow, right? The important thing, she says, remember. Remember it's our anniversary, which by the way, yesterday was our 22nd anniversary. Can you give Carrie a hand for just putting up with me for 22 years? Babe, you're the best. So when someone tells you to remember, they want to, they want to tell you that's the most important thing. And in fact, I'm not going to tell you that this is the most important commandment, but if you look at Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments take up 15 verses. Do you know which one takes up the most verses? Remember the Sabbath. Four verses out of 15 talk about the Sabbath. Most of the others are one sentence. You shall not kill. You shall not steal. But this one, God decides to take up four verses. Why? Because it's important. Now listen to Exodus 31, 14. So this is skipping ahead a couple chapters. Look at what he says. He says, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for who? You. Folks, can I tell you, the Sabbath is a gift to us. And God puts it as a commandment and he says, don't forget. Don't forget the gift that I have given you. And in fact, he says, it's holy for you. I got to tell you, when I was studying this, I read every translation that I could find because I thought that was a mistranslation of the verse. Now, there's lots of other verses that say that it's also holy unto the Lord, but this specific one says it is holy for you. But remember we talked about consequences, that there's always consequences for the Ten Commandments? Look at what he says after this. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it that soul shall be cut off from among the people. Now, how many people are grateful that when we forget the Sabbath, we are not cut off? How many people are grateful for that, right? And can I tell you that there's stories in the Bible where a guy went out and he was gathering sticks, gathering sticks on the Sabbath. They brought him and said, Moses, what would you like to do? And Moses went to God and God says, he's got to die. Can I tell you, though, that I believe this is a principle God's saying, you're not going to physically die. We're not going to take you out and stone you like we did in Old Testament times. But can I tell you that if you don't remember the Sabbath, you will die. You will die earlier than God may have planned. Because it's a gift for us. It is set aside as holy for us. In fact, Jesus actually said in Mark 2 verse 27, this is Jesus talking. He says, the Sabbath was made for who? for man. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He said this verse when the Pharisees came and he was picking wheat, walking through on the Sabbath and getting some food, and they said, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's the Sabbath. And that's when he said the Sabbath was made for man. See, this is a gift that God is giving us. Now, as I was researching this, I found a, a pastor who actually started what she calls the Transforming Center. Her name is Ruth Haley Barton. And she has done a lot of research on the Sabbath. And what I love what she talked about is she said there's two types of tired. 
There's what she calls a good tired and then a dangerous tired. And the good tired, you can always probably think, this is after you put in a good day's work, you're energized, you know, God, I was doing what you wanted me to do. I'm tired, but I'm excited, right? The dangerous tired, though, is where she said, you've got to be very careful. And she listed out four things that I think were very interesting in the dangerous tired category. The first one and the first two really are probably things that you would think about. Chronic inner fatigue, uh, compulsive overworking, probably something we would call a workaholic, right? And if you're a workaholic in here, can I tell you, God wants you to remember the Sabbath. He wants you to work as hard as you can for six days, and he's calling us to remember the Sabbath. But these last two that Ruth Haley Barton lists out as a dangerous tired really caught my attention. Because the next one she said was, you are too tired to choose life-giving activities. Isn't that interesting? How often do you come home from work, jump on the couch, watch TV, and three or four hours later, you're still there? Right, your son or daughter wants to play baseball or basketball or whatever it is, and you just simply say, I I'm just too tired. Or your spouse, they want to connect, they want to talk, they want to connect in other ways. You say, I'm, ju I'm just simply too tired. Life-giving activities start getting pushed away when you're in the dangerous tired category. This last one, which I thought was very interesting, and she talks about distractions. She said, watch out for distractions because they are a sign you might be heading towards dangerously tired. And then she gives examples. She says, overeating is a distraction. Shopping might be a distraction. Addictions that you have, those might be a distraction. TV watching. Be very careful. All these things are fine on their own, but when they start to be too much, you might be dangerously tired. And what's very interesting when you think about distractions, if someone were to ask you what's the opposite of distraction, what would you say? The opposite of distraction most people would say is focus, right? Can I tell you that that's actually not true? The opposite of distraction is traction. There's distraction and then there's traction. So distraction actually means you're not building momentum at all. In fact, you're going the opposite way. But the opposite of distraction is to say, what do I want to use to build traction? And what I'm asking you today is, how are you going to build traction to achieve rejuvenation? How are you going to do that? Because God makes it very, very clear, this is important. Remember, don't forget. And so it's our job to figure out how are we going to build traction to rejuvenation. Now, Wayne Mueller, who's the author of a book called Sabbath, he gave us this quote. He says, because we do not rest, we lose our way. We are poisoned by the hypnotic belief that good things come only through unceasing determination and tireless effort. We never truly rest. And listen to this last statement. He says, and for want of rest, our lives are in danger. See, what's interesting about not honoring the Sabbath and forgetting to honor the Sabbath is you don't really know what's going on, right? You might feel tired, but the word distraction insinuates that you're not really focused on that. You don't really think it's that big of a deal, right? It's just simply a distraction. But day after day, week after week, month after month, if we continue to follow after the, after the distractions, we're not building traction to what God has called us to do. And when we're not achieving something, 
sometimes we're not sure who we are. And in the quietness and rest of a Sabbath, that can be scary to some people. Because a lot of people say, I can't stop working. I don't want to think about what's going on. I don't want to think about my past. I don't want to think about the problems. I want to be distracted. But God says, wait, remember the Sabbath. Now, Ruth Haley Barton, she says that she believes there are three things that you should do on the Sabbath. You ready to write these down? The first thing is rest. Rest your mind, your body, and your soul. Now, this does not mean to sleep in and skip church. Okay, this means rest, all right? Rest, whatever that means for you. Take a nap, whatever it looks like, rest. The second thing she says is worship. She believes that there has to be some type of worship. Now again, gathering here, God's very clear about you know, gathering together and the encouragement that comes, but also in your personal time, reading, devotion, listening to worship music at home in your personal time as well on the Sabbath. But here's the third thing, and I wanted to make sure we talked about this because the third thing she said was, Things that delight you. Because a lot of people say, well, Derek, I don't want to just lay around on the couch all day. That's just wasting time. I can't do that, so I'm just not going to honor the Sabbath. But what's interesting is she says, whatever falls under the delight category for you, do it on Sunday or do it on the Sabbath, whatever day you choose. Now, for me, I love exercising. Now, a lot of people would think that's torture. That's hell. Why would I ever do that on the Sabbath, right? If that's you, don't put it on the Sabbath day. That's for the other days, right? But I love waking up, and I have a Peloton. I love riding the Peloton in the morning, and I just do the longest ride normally that I do every week. I do it on Sunday. I love it. That's delightful to me. Spending time with family, whatever it is, going for a walk, whatever it is for you, put it into this category. Because God says, I want you to rejuvenate on this day. So rest, worship, and delight. And I love what she says here. She says, pay attention to the things that delight you because those are the things that should be on the Sabbath. So don't feel like you can't do a Sabbath because you don't want to lay around. Let's look at things that delight us because God wants it to bring his rest. And don't put this in the too hard category. Okay, don't say, Derek, it's too hard. I can't do it. Because there are companies that are closed on Sundays, right? We've got a couple here in town. Now, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. If you're a craft person and you love Hobby Lobby, okay, they're closed today. I'm sorry. They're closed. But they've made that decision, and listen to what they said. They said, we've chosen to close on the day most widely recognized as a day of rest, on Sunday, in order to allow our employees and customers more time for worship and family. This has not been an easy decision for Hobby Lobby because we realize this decision might cost us financially. Yet we also realize there are more important things than profits. This is a matter of principle for our company and owners and officers. Do you see what they did? They made a decision, right? They killed off all the other alternatives. They don't, you don't find Hobby Lobby say, okay, hey, we'll be open this one Sunday. Just one Sunday before Christmas, we'll be open, then we're closed, right? They kill off all the other alternatives. And do you know they are the most profitable in this area, in the craft spot? They're more profitable beyond any other company tenfold. And we all know they're Christians, they're a Christian-owned company, and that's a great principle. Now, here's one of my favorites, which is Chick-fil-A. And I'm just going to apologize ahead of time. I'm really sorry. Chick-fil-A's closed today. I know you're going to really want a chicken sandwich. Come tomorrow, right? I was trying to talk them into giving us all a free sandwich, but it didn't work. So anyway, 
Chick-fil-A, I heard this recently. So an average fast food restaurant per restaurant averages $700,000 of revenue a year. Across the country, average fast food restaurant. McDonald's, which has been the, pun intended, the gold standard, right, across the board, they average about 2.9 million per restaurant in the United States, okay? So average of 700,000, but McDonald's does 2.9 million per restaurant. Do you know that Chick-fil-A, on average, does $7 million of revenue per office, per restaurant? Three and a half times more than McDonald's. Does this shock anybody? And they are closed on Sundays. They killed off all of their alternatives. Now, sometimes it makes me mad because I want sweet tea, but they're closed. They made the decision, right? And they are now the most profitable by far. No one even touches them as far as fast food restaurants go. Folks, don't put this in the too hard category. I'm not telling you that these two companies are profitable because they're closed on Sundays, but can I tell you that that is a reason why they're so profitable. I believe God says, you're gonna honor me, you're gonna remember the Sabbath, then I am going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. God's ways work. God's ways work. Don't forget that. Okay, so the first thing, remember the Sabbath. Everybody got that? The second thing is take a vacation. All right, amen. All right, I see some people. They're already planning. Okay, now, wives, this is not the time to nudge your husbands and say, see, I told you, we got to take a vacation, right? We're talking about yourself now. Focus on yourself, right? Did you know, I saw it on U.S. travel website. They did a study a few years ago that there were 768 million unused vacation days in the United States. 768 million unused vacation days. Now, a lot of people, you might be one of them, says it's a badge of honor. Oh, I haven't used 30 of my vacation days and it carries over. That's not a positive thing. That's not a positive thing. Okay, don't wear that as a badge of honor. In fact, the CEO of U.S. Travel said, when I see that number, I look at that as 768 million missed opportunities. He said it's a missed opportunity to rest. It's a missed opportunity to make a memory with your family. That breaks my heart when I look at that because those are missed opportunities. Fastcompany.com, they did a study and they surveyed three work recovery experts. Now I have no idea what that job is. Maybe we can find out or sign up for that. But they interviewed three work recovery experts separately. They were not together. They were all separate. And they asked these three recovery work experts, what is the most important thing about vacation? They all said the same word. The same word. You may want to write this word down. The word was detachment. They said the most important thing about vacation is detachment. And I want to break this word down for you. You can tell I love breaking down words, right? The prefix D means off or from. And then T-A-C-H, tack means to take your hands off. It means to touch, right? That means to touch. So the word detach literally means take your hands off of work. Take your hands off of work. And isn't it interesting that most of our work is done on a computer and a laptop? Because I talk to my counterparts and the people that I work with, you know what they say? They say, hey, I bring my laptop with me. I check emails. I call a couple people back. And then I go spend time with the family. Do you know that studies show that if you check one email, your mind will not fully rest on vacation. One email. You call one person back, your mind does not fully check out because what have you done? You've now attached yourself 
back to work for that day. You might feel like you're spending time with the family, but mentally and emotionally, you are not. The word detach means to take your hands off. So what Carrie and I decided to do was, I put on my voicemail, I'm gone this week, I'm not gonna call you back. And I thought, you know what, people are gonna be offended at me. Do you know what they do? When I come back, they say, hey, how was your vacation? And I thought, what, you're not mad? No, how was your vacation? Oh, I'm so glad I went there too. So I turned my voicemail off, I said, I'm not gonna call you back till I get back. The second thing I did was I hired someone to read my emails for me while I'm gone. Now this is just for me, but I said, I'm not gonna check emails on vacation, I'm gonna have someone else check emails. And you know what I finally realized? I'm not that important. <laughs> I'm not that important. I come back from work and I say, wait, well, what, what other problems do we have? Well, there's no problems, everything's good. We got all the phone calls returned, we got emails, you can call these people back. And I just realized working on vacation was pride. That's what it was, it was pride. I thought that they needed me to do it and come to find out they didn't. And you know what, our vacation since I started doing this have been so much better. In fact, during COVID or right before this, we were down in, uh, in Tampa area, in Orlando and Tampa, literally as everything was shutting down last year. The week we got there, we got there on Friday and Bush Gardens and SeaWorld, all these places said we're closing on Monday. So Carrie and I made a decision. We're going to the parks. Now it may not have been wise, we're all still alive, so hey, we went. But there was nobody at these parks. And can I tell you that if you ask my family what was the greatest thing that happened last year, it was this. We were completely detached and we had a great time. I'm telling you, detachment is the key to rest on vacation. Whether it's a day off or a vacation, take your hands off of work. So that's the second one. We've got the first one, remember the Sabbath. We have the second one, take a vacation. And the third one is to take a sabbatical. Take a sabbatical. Now remember I told you early on, I listened to a testimony from a businessman that was talking about how God's ways work. And this was one of the main things that I took away from it. In fact, let me read you his testimony here about sabbaticals. 27 years ago, I went on my first sabbatical and I heard of ministers taking sabbaticals and going away for a couple days with the Lord, but as a businessman, I didn't think it really applied to me. However, the Lord led me to go on one and my in-laws helped me to find a place to go and I ended up spending a week in January in a freezing one-room cabin in East Texas. I spent the first three days of my first sabbatical hearing literally nothing from God and complaining about the money I could have been making if I were at work instead. But then on the fourth day, in the span of 30 minutes, God gave me five ideas for my business. Five ideas that for almost 20 years have continued to dramatically change how we do business and gave us a competitive advantage in the marketplace. Since that time, I've decided I'm taking three sabbaticals a year. I don't believe I could live the life God has called me to live without them. So I heard him give this testimony and I came into Carrie and I said, Carrie, I feel like I need to go on a sabbatical. And that was back in 2009 and 10, and now I have gone on 33 sabbaticals since then. I've decided that we're gonna go on three a year, and I spend about on average three, three days on each one of those, so that means I've been able to spend almost 100 days by myself with the Lord over the last 10 years. And can I tell you, if people ask me, Derek, what's the one thing? If you had to say one thing, what is it? This is it. Because taking time away on a sabbatical, and the sabbatical is Sabbaths together, so two or three or four days, whatever you want to do, putting them together, and my only focus is to be with the Lord. 
The first one I went on, I had this whole agenda. God, here's what I want to check off. Let's check off the list. We got to go through this. And God said, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. We got some things to talk about here. We got some things for you to work through. We've got some things that I want to share with you. So now what I do is I go and I listen to some worship music. I read and then I shut up and I listen. And I try to listen for two days, for three days. God, what are you speaking to me? I journal it down because I don't want to forget it. Sometimes God gives me some great things that are life-changing. Other things, other times, he just wants to spend time with me. And I've become okay with that. But can I tell you, on one of the sabbaticals, it was when God said, hey, I want you to get out of debt, and here's how I want you to do it. And I came home to Carrie, and I said, I, I'm not sure this is going to work, but this is what I felt like God said. And with a span of a, within a span of a couple years, he got us completely out of debt. I would have never done that if I wouldn't have gone on sabbatical and heard from God. So I'm encouraging you, set aside. Set aside some time to be with the Lord. I don't know what a sabbatical looks like for you. Maybe it's one day a month. I go three times a year and set it aside. But here's the one thing I'm going to encourage you with. It's never a good time to go. One thing Carrie and I have learned is every time we schedule it, we always say, well, it's not a good time right now. Maybe we should reschedule it. But remember what we talked about earlier. We've decided. We've killed off all the other alternatives. I'm going to go on three sabbaticals a year, no matter what's going on, no matter if it's a good time or not. This is a time to hear from the Lord. And if you ask Carrie, this has changed our marriage, changed our family. In fact, she was even just saying, think of what God has done in the last 10 years in our life. A lot of it is because of what we're hearing on sabbatical. So I'm asking you to make a decision, right? We've got remember the Sabbath. We've got take a vacation or take a sabbatical. And all of us are going to be at this crossroads now to say, okay, do I believe what God's saying here? Do God's ways really work? Or don't they? Does God really want me to achieve rejuvenation? Or do I want to continue to run on fumes? The CEO of a company called Jotform, I love this quote. He said, subconsciously, we evaluate people's worth based on how many hours they work and how in demand they are. We prize busy above everything else. At a certain point, however, listen to this, we have to make a choice. Do we want to be busy or do we want to make an impact? Do you want to be busy? Or do you want to make an impact? And can I tell you, God doesn't care about how busy you are. He wants to make an impact. He literally created you for a specific reason. And the only way you're going to be able to achieve the full amount is to achieve rejuvenation the way that God has laid it out. I love how Andy Stanley says it. He says this many times in his messages. He says, when your life is just a story that you tell, what story do you want to tell? When it's just a story, what story do you want to tell? Do you want to say, hey, I was super busy? How many times when you ask somebody, how's life, do they say busy? Can we as a church just decide we're not going to say that anymore? We're going to say, yeah, I'm spending time with God. That's what my life's about right now. You know what? I decided to take some time off and rest. I want to rejuvenate. When it's just a story that you tell, what do you want to tell? Because listen to this. Whatever you say yes to is what you become. What you say yes to is what you become. So if you're going to say yes to being busy, then that's what you're going to become. But if you're willing to say yes to resting and then finding the full impact that God has for you, that's what you're going to become. So here we are. We're all ready. We're all ready to make a decision. Are you willing to kill off all the other alternatives to achieve rejuvenation? 
Because can I tell you, today's decision day, and the title of the message is You Decide. You get to decide. Every one of us in the room gets to decide what are we going to do with this. Are you going to remember the Sabbath? Are you going to talk about taking a vacation? And are you going to talk about scheduling a, sab a sabbatical? Father, we thank you for this word today. And first of all, Father, we want to thank you that you have given us the gift of Sabbath and the gift of rest. And God, if we have not honored that, we want to ask you to forgive us because we know it's a gift and a lot of us are running on fumes. But God, we thank you for your grace that you are willing to tell us today to remember the Sabbath and to take rest. And God, I ask you that you would give us each the courage to decide, to kill off all the alternatives and, re and achieve rejuvenation the way that you have done it. Because God, we thank you that your ways work and we are determined to show the rest of the world how you have planned to do it. God, thank you for using us. Thank you for the gift that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.